Hello! Welcome to the Student Council for a quick, quick cold open to address two, two quick things. First of all is I love it when a goofy idea can turn into a text message, can turn into a podcast recording, can turn into an episode in about a week's time, and that's exactly what this episode was. I had just been having so much side biscuit um, this year at college. I discovered it at the end of freshman year and ran this year into college with too many DoorDash orders for Side Biscuit. But one day I was like, I wonder if I could talk to like the person behind this. And then I found Jordan and I quickly found his story. And I'm like, oh, this is really interesting. And in like a short span of time, I sent him a text and I was like, do you want to come on my little student podcast? And he's like, absolutely. And I was like, sick. So in like a few days we recorded and then now you are getting to listen to this episode. That was just such a joy to talk to. It was so cool to talk to Jordan. Here is POV on Ann Arbor. Here about the history of Side Biscuits as somebody who really has an affinity for food and cooking and restaurants. It was just such a great time. If you're listening to this, Jordan, thank you again for everything. If you're not Jordan, keep listening because it's such a great episode. Be Real just hit. I'm going to take it right now, actually. Actually, this wasn't the thing, but this is spontaneous. Spur of the moment. Um, I'm excited. Come on, on, post. Okay. And it is posted. That was fun. That was very fun. Um, yeah, I thought this would be a no take edit, but it's going to be a take. The second thing is that I, for the first like four minutes, might not even be four minutes, might be like a minute TBH of the episode. I forgot to hit the phantom power button on my microphone. So this wonderful mic that you're hearing did not work. So the first like minute of my voice is going to be on the zoom. Then it's going to go right back into this nice, nice microphone. So don't worry. It'll get there soon enough. Just wanted to let you know so if you're caught off guard by how i sound it changes very very quickly that's all from me though enjoy the episode if you're ever in ann arbor seriously go get side biscuit they're linked in my description down below both the website and like them on doordash so if you're in the dorms i I just have to plug it it truly is one of just the best wings i've ever had just a delight absolute delight anyways on with the show Hello and welcome to the Student Council, an educational advice podcast made for students and by students where everyone is qualified to talk about their own experiences. My name is Coda Dvorak. Today, I'm literally so, so excited to be joined by the founder of I feel like a modern Ann Arbor staple, The Side Biscuit. Please welcome to the podcast, Jordan Valdoff. Jordan, thank you for coming on today. How are you doing? Doing well. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing well as well. Thank you so much for coming on. I cannot wait to talk. I've been just an avid fan and, you know, like supporter of the Side Biscuit. I tell as many people as I can about it. Um, But I truly think it's like one of the best, the best food I feel like I've had in Ann Arbor. So I can't wait to talk. It means a lot. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're a fun little hidden gem. Got to get a little more campus, campus presence. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, I think it was a hidden gem. I remember I discovered you guys just, I think I was like either down by Yoast, like going to a hockey game. I'm like, oh, this seems like a neat spot to try. And then I was just utterly blown away by what you had. So awesome. yeah, awesome. Well, Jordan, what have been your favorite five minutes of the past week to kick us off? Ooh, five minutes. Uh, I think I really enjoyed this week's. Uh, so every week at the restaurant, we do a different wing sauce and wing flavor uh, and biscuit flavor, like a theme. Mm-hmm. And we we embraced fall this week and went full full PSL uh, pumpkin theme. And I had a really fun time doing my photo shoot this week with uh, the, the whole fall vibe. So we're doing a pumpkin seed, pumpkin romesco uh, wing sauce, like kind of Spanish themed with like candied pepitas on top. And then the biscuit is like a pumpkin pie biscuit with pumpkin spice butter. But Argus next door is like a seven days a week farmer's stop, if you will. And they like a thousand heirloom pumpkin varietals outside. So I went and snap some pics that was a lot of fun this week that's awesome i tried the pumpkin biscuit last night and i have to say it was absolutely delightful it's like 
I love ordering the biscuits and I never know what flavor they're actually going to be during the week. So it's like such a fun surprise. But that was so delightful to like bite into that. I'm like, it's pumpkin flavored. Um, yeah, so yeah. cool. Embracing the fall. You've got to do it, you know, like you got if you can't beat them, join them. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Jordan, I'm curious, what was your college experience? And like, could you have anticipated that you'd be opening the side biscuit when you were just like a freshman in college? So I actually had five separate college experiences uh, starting. I went to high school. So I was born and raised in Buffalo, went to high school in Kalamazoo. So I took a bunch of classes like junior and senior year at Western. So I got some college while I was in high school. Um, after that, I, um, got into, uh, Kalamazoo college right there in, in, in town on a full ride for chemistry. Um, I was between that or waiting on my Michigan wait list or, uh, spending my entire year paying back student loans at Cornell, which I got into Cornell's, uh, hospitality program. So, um, decided with the free full ride college experience, um, started there, uh, ended up transferring out to Eastern, um, right next door to us here in Ipsy, uh, right next to Ann Arbor Mm -hmm. and uh, finishing in business. So, you know, started in chemistry, wanted to do like food science. I was always in like hospitality. So the Cornell, um, you know, Cornell route would have been great too, but it's full circle now, Um, you know, studying business. I'm applying everything I learned in school to my own business. I think that's so cool. It's so interesting to hear the chemistry twist, which I was like, I'm surprised, but I also see it a little bit. I see it in the like the the sauces and playing with flavors and like how that all kind of can tie into like hospitality. I mean, I grew up loving uh alton brown good eats he's like you know kind of like always talked about the science behind food so um you know food is chemistry cooking is chemistry you know you're you're changing compounds and everything and you're working with a recipe if you will so they always kind of go hand in hand but um yeah it's been it's been fun to kind of tie it all together yeah i completely agree with you i love alton brown i haven't seen as nearly as much of good eats but like anytime he was on food network i was just captivated like i love his presence on that show and like on that channel yeah he's great he's actually banned from our or was banned from our hometown because he said uh if you want good wings buffalo wings the last place you get them is buffalo new york and we took offense to that yeah but he has since came back and made men's and went around with the mayor to all the wing spots and he's like okay i eat my words it is the best place for wings good you proved him wrong that's i'm so glad exactly yeah like kind of what was your experience like going to a bunch of different colleges like or a couple different schools and kind of being interested in a variety of them like what did you really notice was like distinctive and kind of what led you to like going to Eastern and like prompting that switch to Eastern like what was just kind of the general cultures of those schools so Kalamazoo College for uh, most that don't know is a pretty small liberal arts school right downtown Kalamazoo Um, when I was there I want to say the student body was only like 1400 so like the size of you know a large high school Mm -hmm. so very tight-knit you know a lot of one-on-one time with professors and office hours you're actually getting that hands-on experience you know small class sizes um definitely that more intimate uh you know kind of college experience versus like michigan where you have like large lecture halls and you know intro courses like weeder courses and gen ed courses where you're kind of just a number in the room um so k college is definitely like that more intimate feel um which is which is great um academically super challenging you know uh i had to keep up a four point or no three five for my full ride so that was tough while also working and then i was in ann arbor a lot i was dating someone who lived and went to michigan so uh it was a little tough to to balance both but ended up transferring to eastern which is uh you know a larger school but less of that college experience eastern is you know kind of a commuter school there is like on-campus living and dorms and greek life but 
not to an extent of, you know, a production like Michigan. So I actually lived in Ann Arbor through my whole Eastern career, commuted into school, and I kind of like piggybacked onto the U of M college experience. So going to the big house and working in Ann Arbor and kind of making friends in in the Ann Arbor community because that was a little more of my kind of like draw was that college experience. But I got to have a little more affordable education while still experiencing the, the big house and the U of M experience but um yeah i mean each experience is great um the the small tight-knit liberal arts you know kind of high school feel had its benefits but also you know having a little space and freedom has also been been cool so i'm glad i got to experience kind of both yeah i think it is cool that you to to see kind of all those different styles and get to like have a little taste of each of them and even like going to eastern but getting the ann arbor community i think that's a really cool blend to like get to share both of those worlds definitely yeah And I'm curious too, like kind of studying business at Eastern and like going into this restaurant, you kind of talked about it earlier, but like, where do you really see like the intersection between like business and food and what does that look like to you? So, um, you know, I've always loved cooking, grew up cooking at home. My family would, you know, a lot of our entertainment budget was spent like going to nice restaurants and stuff like that. So really always enjoyed like hospitality and just like uh, being around food and like the communal aspect of it. So, um, my jobs have always been in food. Um, my mom's good friend had a, a pizza and wing spot, not, not too far from the food that we're serving at the restaurant today, but, uh, back in, in Buffalo called Nino's. And when I was 14, I started working there and getting my hands dirty and like in the trenches with, with the food that I grew up experiencing and loving. And, um, you know, I just fell in love with like the, the fast paced atmosphere, you know, the heat of the kitchen. And I always knew someday I'd want my own my own space my own restaurant um you know studying business at Eastern helped a lot to kind of gain a, a better understanding and scope of what uh what is expected needed um there's a lot more than just making chicken wings when you run a business you know so that's mm-hmm. that's the fun, that's the fun creative side but you know having knowledge on on the whole back end and you know, learning how to do P&Ls and costing and all the all the fun stuff you learn at school. It's awesome to see my degree kind of come into play when I least expected it. Absolutely. And I think I'll just jump into that. Like when you least expected it, like the side biscuit in a time in 2020 when there were so many like I feel like the, the story that you heard the narrative in 2020 was like these restaurants can sustain themselves and like a lot of really, really sad stories to hear about that. At that same time, you were starting the side biscuit out of your driveway. Like, how did that come to be? When did that idea strike you? When did you know, like, this is the moment where I can start doing this? Yeah, so um, it was pretty interesting how it all kind of came to be. So um, peak peak lockdown was that April, March, uh, all that, uh, you know, hit. I had to lay off all my staff. I was the executive chef at a brewery uh, here in town called Holmes. And, um, you know, we had to change everything, you know, like no customers dining in, uh, you know, shift our whole food program to to go beer to go can releases. Um, it was really difficult, you know, not knowing what the immediate future would be. Uh, ended up parting ways with that employer during, you know, early shutdown days and um, kind of like thinking about my next steps and chapter and I'm not much of a not much of a homebody or I don't like to sit still. So, you know, I was like, I'm not just going to sit here and collect unemployment and wait for the world to open back up. Like I wanted to continue to feed people and feed the community. So just one night, I just created an Instagram for Side Biscuit. Um, more on the name later. But um, yeah, I wanted to do I saw a lot of people all over the, the world, like Instagram accounts and like uh, chefs that I follow 
coming up with creative ways and solutions to continue to safely feed people uh, during peak shutdown. And I saw a lot of really unique pop-ups. So, you know, kind of like the middle ground between a food truck and a brick and mortar restaurant is this pop-up model where, you know, unconventional space, um, you know, unique environment uh, enable a way to be able to feed the community um, during, you know, these, you know, unpredictable times. So start an Instagram account, um, you know, actually a lot of the raw students were some of our original customers, but Basically, on Sunday, we would send out an, a post that said what our flavor was of the week. And um, we would do Instagram pre-orders for pickup on Wednesday. Um, it gained so much traction and popularity that we ended up selling. I think towards the end, we did a 12-week run of this. We ended up doing, uh, it was like 127 orders in 13 minutes. No way. Which is like on pre-orders. So like people wait until 8 p.m. and then just DM. And I'd have to go in order until we ran out of food or like what we could you know keep up with. So it was a fun, like, you know, kind of if you're in the club, you know, like side biscuit. Um, and then, yeah, it started on my home driveway. We're connected to like an Ann Arbor City Park. So it was like a safe place for people to drive in, come pick it up, contactless pickup. Uh, you know, we we're all masked up following health safety protocols. Um, but yeah, we were deep frying chicken wings out of like tailgate turkey burners at my house um, and, and selling food, uh, you know, may or may not have been the most legal thing, but all my food was prepped in like my friends commissary kitchens that were being underutilized all my food vendors were like hey there's no bars and restaurants open so wings are really affordable right now like help me out so it was a really uh kind of like everything kind of came to a head in like this beautiful way where like i technically lost my job but then i created my future at the same time so it's been it's been a really awesome experience yeah that's a beautiful way of describing it and that's such a you're such a cool idea and like 12 weeks of a pop-up when you're with that many orders with that much i'm just curious like how did you keep the momentum going so it's it's it was just fun to see it like grow week to week so like we did like a test one with just like other chefs in town just to see if they had any feedback and then it just kept growing from there and getting more and more exciting and figuring out ways to scale the operation a little bit we did i think it was like a four-hour service it was like pick up from five to nine or something like that and uh we just kept ordering more and more product and you know using friends kitchens that were underutilized and just keep that going but yeah after 12 weeks we kind of hit our limit where we can't really get any bigger than this so that's when we turned in found a brick and mortar space um because i think yeah the last week we did 12 cases of wings each case of wings is like 220 wings or so 40 pounds a case so out of a home we went through a lot of food and and so yeah it was it was back then it was 10 wings a side a biscuit and dessert that was like our we called the driveway plate so that's how the restaurant we have the six wings and the biscuit. That's our driveway plate too. Yeah, that's that's my go-to. Is is it just a nice driveway plate? It's perfect. It's like the perfect like amount of food for a nice little like meal. Um, absolutely delightful. So I'm I'm curious though, like what was the inspiration for side biscuit? And I guess why wings plus biscuits? Cool. So um, I mean, born and raised in Buffalo, New York. Uh, I grew up like chicken wings are probably the first food I ever ate once I got teeth. You know, it's just part mm-hmm. of the culture. Like. You're watching the Bills game, you know, pizza and wings, always a thing. 
back home. So I always love wings. And whenever I would travel, and especially when I moved to Ann Arbor, I didn't love the the wing offerings per se. Um, I know Ann Arbor and Ypsilanti area are, in terms of that category of pizza and wings, are most known known for the global chains that came out of this area. You know, Little Caesars. Um, who else is from over here? I know Little Caesars started in the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, not Papa John's, but there's a couple. Oh, Domino's. Duh. Yeah, Domino's yeah. as well. So um, I was never pleased with the the chicken wing offerings here. So whenever I was a chef at restaurants in town, I always had wings on the menu, you know, just because I couldn't find it for myself. So I had to make it. And um, I got like a little bit of claim to fame from like an MLive article back in 2012 when I was the the sole executive chef at this little cocktail bar right near the farmer's market in Carytown called 327 Braun Court. So um, the owner of the bar was from upstate New York kind of Syracuse area. I I was from Buffalo and then our head bartender was from Long Island. So we had this like little New York kind of vibe at this bar with like craft cocktails and scratch made food. I was the only person ordering the food, prepping the food, running the food, doing the dishes. It was this tiny little kitchen and I didn't have a deep fryer. So I actually cooked on like a stovetop pot, like deep frying in like a soup pot. But um, yeah, MLive was doing like best wings in the state and we got number one in Ann Arbor, number two in the state behind uh, Sweetwater Tavern in Detroit. So I've always kind of had wings on menus when I was the chef at homes I ran a bunch of different like Southeast Asian flavored wings um when I was in New York City I staged at a, a Michelin starred spot called Pock Pock but they were famous for these like fish sauce caramel wings and um you know if if I couldn't find good wings I made them myself and then COVID hit I found this gap in the market you know um with carryout becoming more of a necessity during shutdown um, and ghost kitchens and stuff like that popping up. You know, wings were a little bit of a saturated market, but um, I feel like we definitely stand out with like our, you know, scratch made sauces, our, you know, culinary approach towards everything. We're like really passionate about like experiencing different flavors and cuisines. And uh, I just thought, take a risk and see if I can scale the concept all the way up. And uh, I was like, I can't just do wings, you know, down south, they do southern fried chicken with biscuits, but I've never seen a wing spot with biscuits. So I kind of put the two and two together. And um, yeah, that's how side biscuit came to be wings with biscuits on the side. That's beautiful. It's such a fun origin story. And I and I was gonna ask, honestly, I was like, had you been the wing guy before side biscuit? And I think that answer is absolutely yes. Like, that's cool that that's been your claim to fame. And you've really gotten to, to take your buffalo heritage bring it to ann arbor and really continue to expand on that and to grow with it that's really really impressive uh i'm curious kind of running back to just like being a business in ann arbor i'm really curious like what's your takeaway about of the area of maybe the u of m student population seeing it from a different pov than like a student or somebody you know in the college itself but like what do you make of of us so it's it's really interesting to be establishing roots here in this town. So Ann Arbor's, you know, always on these lists of like, you know, best place to raise a family and like, you know, great work-life balance and, you know, overall city happiness and income and all these lists where it's just this great city. And, you know, having the university here just makes it that much more exciting and bustling and better. I think um, having a student population that's so transient kind of keeps keeps Ann Arbor young and on its toes and, you know, on with, you know, staying up with trends like culinarily and stuff like that. So I like that the city's always changing. Uh, There's always something new and like something unique going on. There's tons of arts, you know, great music venues. It's uh, it's just like all in all an awesome town, but it's really interesting to see, you know, having moved here from Buffalo, you know, kind of 
latched onto the locals a little bit to get that that local experience um people that grew up here are uh, just like a different breed of like this like happy you know loving caring i don't know there's like a weird aura about folks from ann arbor that i i just love you know old hippie town kind of vibe but also still like super educated and like uh it's it's great but it's, it's cool to see like the u of m college experience and the student experience and then the local experience and how they kind of like intersect like there are you know like two downtowns if you will but they're like you know a, a few blocks from each other that everyone crosses both ways but you get your old ann arbor hippies that are like can't wait till the students are gone in the summer so we can have our town back and then you also get the people you know the business owners like me that want to pull from both demographics you know the town is you know consists of both populations and that's what we try to do at the restaurant is kind of cater to to both demographics you know literally at the restaurant one side of the street is like you know young professional families and then the other side is like college athletes and students and stuff so we uh we've had a really fun time kind of finding our our image in in the community and uh definitely trying to get a little more student presence obviously campus is pretty large and we're a little far away from campus walking distance but i think a lot of the student population is pushing down packard a little bit which is awesome for us um but yeah we're just trying to to grow and continue to become like an we want to become like an iconic staple in ann arbor you know everyone comes to visit their Mm -hmm. their kids and they go to zingerman's and Flippy Burger and like Frida's now on that list and all these like places that are like musts and hopefully I mean we're almost at four years one full one full turn of a college career hopefully Side Biscuit is soon to be that uh, recommended spot as well yeah I I see that future for Side Biscuit 10,000% I have anybody that comes to visit I'm like okay this is where we have to go like you know this is seriously like one of the, the people asking for food recs and Side Biscuit is always at top of that list so like I do genuinely see it as like a modern Ann Arbor staple and I think it will continue to be one of those spots appreciate it yeah I'm curious what is your favorite wing to eat like of just the stuff that you make what's your favorite and then if it's on the menu great if it's not on the menu though like what's your favorite wing that like you sell so whatever i'm like you know craving a wing or a snack at the restaurant it's always og buffalo you know it's i think if you're born in buffalo you have like a certain percentage of that like in your in your in your blood is like uh frank's red hot and butter it's just part of the culture there so just like the smell of it and like the the i don't know everything about that is just like home and memories so definitely the og buffalo for me it's like a nice medium level heat good acidity nice and creamy with the butter um but close second would probably either have to be um gucci gang that's one that i've been doing for a while um or one of my favorites that we can't execute too often at the restaurant because we don't have a an actual stove uh is that fish sauce caramel wing i was telling you about from the uh pock pock that i staged at in new york city uh with the michelin star it's uh you reduce this sugary garlicky fish sauce caramel down to order and then toss it on these lightly dredged wings topped with like fried garlic mint and cilantro a little lime wedge that's that's one of my most craved ones the wings are actually marinated in that fish sauce marinade overnight too so they're almost like you know cured if you will a little bit that's probably my second most craveable one no way have those ever been on the menu as just like a pop-up item yeah so we've done them uh, a handful of times we did a, a month-long pop-up in detroit at this uh bar called frame in hazel park uh we did it there we did it at the dixborough house when we did a dinner there um it's more like special event based when we can pull it off but i actually worked with a engineering class to work on a way to make it uh, over at U of M, my friend uh, Laura Hirschfield, who's a big regular, she always puts us in her projects for her students. And uh, we worked on a couple ways to stabilize the caramel 
using different sugars and methods. So hopefully soon it'll be on the menu. That's so cool. That's so fun to like get to collaborate with just like an engineering class. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, same, same question, but different food. What's your favorite biscuit that you've ever done? Ooh. So we try not to repeat ourselves. We're at almost three years of opening. So that's like around 100 and 150 or so different biscuits in the ballpark that we've done. Um, but, you know, we'll do we'll, we'll revisit like some seasonal flavors and stuff, maybe with like a little twist. But um, favorite one to date. I'm trying to think that's uh, probably the one that we enjoy the most. I think is the most unique to the restaurant and U of M and the Ann Arbor experience. And like the most requested would probably be the Maison Blue Biscuit. So um, when it's corn season, we use Michigan sweet corn straight off the cob, uh, roast that, put it in the biscuit mi- uh, mix with cornmeal and uh, local blueberries are usually tail end of their season too. So it's, um, you know, blueberries and corn together. We usually do like a honey butter or something on the side. So that's a, that's a really fun biscuit. Amazing blue. That's incredible. I, I have to get this at some point. I know you don't repeat, but if you bring that one back, I will be first in line. That sounds incredible. Yeah, it's a fun one. Yeah. I'm also just curious, menu item wise, um, what times i went i i saw there's a peanut butter miso cookie on the menu and i was just like didn't really know what to expect but like that was an absolute delight it was so like crispy but also so soft at the same time and like a really really great flavor was that like an invention of yours like how did those flavor combination come together so um that was actually a driveway original we used to run those out of the house um and then i, I think i had them on the menu at homes as well a, a variation of that but i always love playing with sweet and savory kind of mix them together a little bit one of my favorite pastry chefs uh christina Tosi from Milk Bar. Yes, love Tosi. She rides that line a lot too. You know, she incorporates like a little bit of more of the salty components into her sweets, which I love. Um, so this was actually one of those New York Times uh, cookie of the month or cookie of the week recipes that we tweaked uh, was the peanut butter miso uh, cookie. And uh, we did a lot of like R&D on it, kind of changed it up, make house made peanut butter for it. Um, and then shiro miso to get that kind of salty component. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a fun one. We, we make like a large batch of cookie dough for the freezer. And then just once we're through that batch, we'll like turn into a different cookie so we've done like brown butter chocolate chip with malden sea salt um we actually did a tosi kind of modeled cookie before this she calls hers a compost cookie it's like a kitchen sink it's got everything in it yes yeah uh, we call ours the garbage cookie you know same same idea it had like coffee graham crackers pretzels potato chips butterscotch chips chocolate chips um you know we added a little bit of like sesame to ours so yeah we have fun with it and um it's kind of nice to to have a, a creative dessert on the menu it's it's a lot of fun that is so much fun it's so cool that the toasty is like one of my biggest like baking inspirations as well like you know I, growing up i was always big like baking in the kitchen and like her books are definitely the one that have the most the most wear and tear the most like grease stains you know anything else in between so it's really cool to see that that's an inspiration in the business and i see that so much in those cookies she's awesome she's amazing have you tried her i know she has a ritz cracker cookie have you ever considered that one for rotation that might, that might have to be a fun rotation yeah i've had it at the spot but i've never made her recipe of it i gotta look up in the cookbook mm-hmm. yeah i'm curious kind of last question on like the side biscuit side of everything what has been your proudest moment just as a chef in the kitchen and then your proudest moment with this business um proudest moment for the business 
uh, would probably be opening day. Um, you know, all the buildup in my career, you know, being, you know, working up through the ranks, different titles from like starting as a dishwasher or a prep cook to, you know, moving on to the line to then sous chef, executive chef, you know, running my own food programs at places. Um, that whole journey, you know, always kind of like working under somebody or for somebody, uh, you know, obviously being compensated for your work, but not having the full like financial reward. Um, you know, I've always had the passion in it, but not the, the, the financial reward side, but also with that comes risk. Um, but, you know, unlocking the door, welcoming guests into a space that I created from the ground up, you know, recipes, design work, uh, you know, workspace flow, like every nook and cranny of that building that I poured, like, I mean, it was like a year since the idea came to be that we opened the doors, but, you know, a solid like six months of once we found the space, got the keys, got the place ready to go. Um, we uh, savored a bottle of champagne in front of, I think there was like probably like 40, 40 people or so waiting for opening day, lined down the block. Uh, internet went out. We just had to put it back on. Uh, it was great. But save, wa watching that champagne cork fly off with this like line of people eager and waiting to come to the restaurant for the first time. Uh, that was probably the proudest moment, you know, just seeing the appreciation full circle of what, what I created. It's, and then every day, just having regulars and customers come in like yourself that enjoy the food, appreciate the food. It's, uh, it's been a very proud journey. It's been awesome. Um, but proudest kitchen moment would probably be, we somehow managed to do, uh, 3,000 wings in four hours during the Super Bowl. No uh, way. Last year, it was in... We have two deep fryers. They're both pretty tiny. Uh, we did pizza. I think we did like 25 pizzas that day too. But 270 square feet, five bodies, working as fast as possible cranking out food uh yeah i don't know how we did it but that was probably the proudest moment in the kitchen that's amazing i can only imagine too like the relief of when you closed down that day like wow that's remarkable are you already gearing up for like super bowl this year and like some of those big like like michigan osu big days like that yeah hopefully it's the bills versus the lions that's what we're hoping for that's we'll manifest it we got this yeah that'd be a lot of fun actually i'm curious one other thing is like where do you see side biscuit going forward in the future so i love love our current location you know i want to always keep that kind of as like a flagship uh you know we're definitely at our capacity in terms of growth we'll eventually need a bigger kitchen off-site somewhere you know maybe a commissary uh i'd love to have a sports bar you know in town to kind of like because we don't we don't really have dining we have a couple of picnic tables and chairs out front but i'd love to be able to get the food quicker to the guests than carry out watching sports cold beer kind of that whole experience i actually already have a name for the the bar because we have uh I sponsor a beer league hockey team that I'm on. Oh, wow. We're called the Spicy Boys, which is funny because it was the Spicy Boys long before Side Biscuit existed. And now it just makes sense because we make hot wings. That just makes so much sense. But SB to the fourth, Side Biscuit, Spicy Boys Sports Bar. Yeah. I third. love that idea. But um, no, yeah, you know, we've we've had some opportunities to maybe move to Detroit, a secondary location, maybe one in Ipsy, you know, near Eastern, my alma mater. But for now, you know, we just want to continue growing as much as we can in our current space um you know pay off my investors and then look at the next steps that's amazing i am so excited for the future and, and sb to the third I'll, I'll be first in line that sounds so much fun
Now, switching into the questions that I love to ask everybody on this show, what has been the most impactful piece of advice that somebody gave to you? Probably, I think I got two. Um, I can't remember where this came from, but it's it's re-referenced in Letterkenny, which is one of my favorite shows. But uh, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Um, you know, I've always taken that approach towards my work. You know, just be passionate about it. Enjoy it. If you don't like it, you know, find something different. Find a different, you know, a different station in the kitchen or a different role in the restaurant or a different career path. You know, work is supposed to be something you enjoy. And, uh, you know, I used to pride myself on 100-hour weeks because I just loved it so much. Like, I would work a full morning sous chef job and then go right into my night executive chef job uh, and just, like, grinning from ear to ear during the whole thing. Like, you got to be passionate and enjoy your work. And uh, it really shows from whatever industry or line of work you're in, um, you know, customer facing uh, people, people feel that that passion and energy through your work Um, that or, you know, at Zingerman's a lot of times I did a lot of like leadership management development and stuff there and learned a ton about business. And um, one of the things that Ari always kind of told me is like, you know, dress for the job you want or, you know, act like the role you wish to be in. So I've always taken that in my career where like, I want to own a restaurant someday. I want to be an entrepreneur, a business owner. So, you know, getting in close with other business owners or the ones that you work under and, you know, treating the business that you're within as if it is your own. I think is one of the biggest uh, biggest tools that kind of led me to this this current space here. Totally. I love both those pieces of advice. I think that having your sights set on your goals and, and doing even just little things in order to get you more set up for that point is a really think, good thing to do and applies to so many different situations. Definitely. Yeah. Now, what would you say is an ultimate tip for somebody going into college? So, you know, you go into college right after high school, you're still young, you know, you're looking forward to that, like, independence, being on your own, out of the house, you know, the college fun. Um, But I think, you know, hindsight, I think the biggest thing is like, you only have those four years concentrated to really, you know, develop and grow and experience and learn before you jump into like the full fledged workforce. Um, It's like your, your gap years, your buffer years where, you know, you're still still within the school system. But you know, I think it's important to just just soak it all up and um, do it with like passion and care. So, you know, get your money's worth, join the clubs, you know, play sports, do IM sports, you know, meet people, uh, you know, you're paying to go to school, get that full experience. But I think do so, you know, work hard, study, but also reward yourself too. I think it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful time. Colleges, I know admission rates nationally, are you know starting to dwindle a little bit but um i think it's a very important growing period for people um i think just go all in on the college experience i think that's my biggest tip is just to dedicate and be passionate about it i completely agree i think you're right that it's it's this big monumental thing and it's it's a big financial cost generally so going all in and kind of jumping into it that way i think is exactly how you need to do it now i'm curious when it comes to expectations one what was your expectations when you were going to college how did that kind of shake out two same question but for when you were developing side biscuit for the first time definitely um for college i mean in high school i was like a four sport athlete four point student national honor society all that so i was like oh college will be a breeze like you know academics whatever in the bag um but i think with that extra independence it's a little trickier you're you're less less regimented uh a little stricter schedule you get a little more freedom so i think the big wake-up call in reality was like it's not all fun and games you know you got to work hard to be able to play hard and uh, I think that independence can be like daunting and it's like a reality check of not having 
<clears throat> those bounds, you know, you know, your parents or your curfew or your, you know, strict, you don't have to go to class. Even if you're paying for it, you don't have to go. Like you're not going to get kicked out of school. They'll take your money. So, uh, yeah, it was a great learning experience. I grew a lot, um, but it was definitely a, a little a little more difficult than I guess I painted the picture. Um, in terms of side biscuit, definitely one of the hardest uh, challenges in my work career, maybe even life career. You know, putting all this like risk on the line of, you know, putting yourself out there and trying to think through everything and make sure, you know, your first introduction to being a business owner in the community and your customer base is done thoughtfully and right. And um, yeah, owning a business is very difficult, especially food service, you know, like inflation, rising food costs, you know, staffing has been difficult, uh, you know, especially in the college town, you know, you get full time availability in the summer for the kids to stick around and then come fall, they can only work one day a week or a couple hours a week so staffing is always difficult but also like the livelihood of your staff making sure your staff is having a good work-life balance and getting paid well compensated well um you know making sure you have a good workplace culture that everyone's communicating and happy uh and enjoying their work making sure you're putting out a good product you know um there's so many things that go into owning a business there's always a fire to be put out Internet's broken on day one. Oven went down. Fryer went down. Wings are nine times the cost they used to be. Fryer oil is still 500% more than it was. So there's always something. But I think the the expectations were there. I knew it would be daunting and difficult to open the restaurant. Um, but I think the hardest thing was just that, that sole risk. Because if the business fails, you know, everything you put on the line kind of comes comes along with it. So uh, when you're not working under someone else, if you're the, the sole proprietor or the owner, it's the stakes are obviously much higher. So um, that's been that's been tough to get behind, but also very dri- driving in terms of like it's go time, like, you know, all everything's on the line. So it's been it's been awesome in that way. Um, but I think the biggest like learning learning curve I had is that nothing's ever perfect. You know, you got to continue to adapt and change and grow like I was almost like not gonna open because like I was like well what about this we gotta fix this my merch isn't ready like sometimes you just commit and then um prepare as much as you can and uh there's always gonna be a setback or a fire to put out so you know being able to roll with the punches and continue adapt and grow um and strive for that perfection I think is has been a, a big a big realization absolutely I, I love all of the pieces of advice that you hit I think one taking note of the culture and and taking care of your staff is so important especially in a in a culinary setting you know where i feel like there there's so many great restaurants that have great cultures but there's also that reputation that like you know st- that work can be tough and there are certain restaurants where it's not as supported but it's so great to see when people are going into it with that mentality and with that acknowledgement that like i want to make this a, a fun space to work at and, and a great space for people and i like you know talking about dealing with the perfectionism and dealing with those kinds of things of like you know just wanting things to be perfect i, I relate to that a lot but one of my favorite quotes is to err on the side of action not perfection like obviously try and go as great as you can before you start so like everything's taken care of but then keep striving for that perfection because yeah it's never fully gonna hit it and that's a, a tough pill to swallow but also kind of a freeing one definitely yeah at the end of our shifts this is something i learned at zingerman's uh just to keep our like um communication open with the staff we're like a very open thing we do a, a post shift like kind of like feedback called liked best next time so like what went well would you like about your shift would you like about your neighbor neighboring you know co-worker performance or you know what have you and then next time like how can we improve and this is like a, a nice open floor for everyone to be able to safely you know without any feed like criticism be able to talk 
openly about everyone's performance even mine like call me out like yo chef you were you were a little uh flustered today or whatever like your vibrational energy made us flustered so uh it's it's great to have that open dialogue um we do it every shift have since we open so it's been awesome to kind of like tighten up our culture like and have everyone have a voice yeah the, there's so much value in just taking a little moment to debrief to to go over everything because then you can yeah constantly be innovating and making the small improvements which in the end are really really big strides towards getting closer to that perfect model yeah i love that pivoting gears completely um what is an essential item in a dorm room that you would suggest college students have so for some reason i went straight to food and i thought instant ramen yeah was the lifesaver for me but it's, it's actually i got a funny story on that real quick um so at kalamazoo college i was in in the dorms and uh I actually they we had uh, like a little kitchenette in the hall and I uh, fell asleep while dude cooking my instant ramen, and it actually boiled over, set off the fire alarm in the middle of the winter with like seven inches of snow, and the whole dorm had to get sent outside, and fire truck had to come in. I mean, nobody got hurt or anything, but just the fact that it was like three in the morning, and I'm cooking ramen, and I forced everyone to wake up in the middle of the night and go outside. Uh, so, uh, yeah, ramen, definitely a, a college essential for me, but make sure you don't fall asleep while you're cooking it ramen and a cup of coffee at the same time yeah there that's... it is but I, I had i had i had redemption i was asked to cook at a ramen battle in 2000 2016 at slurping turtle and uh i thought my bad press there's actually a facebook group out that said i can't cook ramen so i redeemed myself i got third place in the ramen battle so there you go you absolutely can't cook ramen <laughs> that's hilarious though that the you had a facebook group trying to tear you down for cooking ramen yep exactly it was all those kids from Kalamazoo College that were woken up at 3 a.m. and have a vengeance. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, what's a moment from high school that you still think about? Um, Probably going to, we took our hockey team to regionals for the first time. And the heartbreak of loss during regionals, I think, still haunts me to this day. But um, yeah, my buddy uh, just got married last week and re-reminded me of that experience when I defensively pinched at the blue line and let the other team score in the last minutes. I still think about that but it drives me it drives me to you know not make mistakes like that in the future yeah it keeps the the energy of the spicy boys alive right like you can continue that passion wow yeah what song would you add to a school survival playlist Ooh, school survival trying to think of my my college experience i mean we did a lot of uh um early 2000s hip-hop during school i remember we would my dorm room faced the diag and i had like aggressively loud speakers so we would like turn the speakers facing out while we walked to the cafeteria we would just blare like little john and Ludacris and all sorts of 2000s hip hop. That was our that was our, our our pump up music for getting getting studying done and getting getting the college experience going. Yeah. Not a 2000s hip hop. Yeah. Any one song of that 2000s hip hop come to mind, or is it just the whole genre? Ludicrous, go to sleep. Okay, yep. I like it. Just don't play that when cooking ramen, but any other time. Exactly. It's great. Maybe, maybe that's why I fell asleep. Yeah. Uh, final question in the interview. It's been such a joy to chat. Uh, what would you tell your freshman self in college, and then what would you tell the version of you just starting Side Biscuit? So freshman self in college, I'd probably tell myself maybe a little less leisure and a little more studying, and then to maybe get a job during school sooner than sophomore year. Um, and to you know make more money to help pay student loans so freshman year i had the full ride so i didn't think i needed to work because i wasn't paying for school 
So I think with my downtime that wasn't spent studying, you know, going to see friends at Western next door or, uh, you know, a little too much leisure to keep up the full ride. So definitely um, committing to the books and earning that degree, especially if it's given to you at a lesser cost, I think I would tell my freshman self. And then for Side Biscuit, I'd probably echo what I was talking about earlier that, um, you know, it'll never be perfect. The quote you just said was actually hit the nail on the head for that is, you know, just take the jump, take the action, um, and then continue to improve and adapt as you go. Um, having that like mental block and stress of like, you know, you're always trying to get above water or get there. I think it's important to take a step back and live in the moment for a second and realize and you know look back and reward yourself for all the accomplishments thus far but um continue to grow like perfection is always at the end of the stick that's always what we're going for and if you're in in this work and you're passionate you're already going to be perceived as very close to that but internally you know you're never going to think you're there and you never will be a painting's never done is what they say but um yeah rewarding yourself enjoying the ride taking a second and i think the biggest thing is uh that it's a marathon not a sprint you know with especially with food service it's always like very quick decision making putting out fires like on the fly like we live in this like chaotic you know everything's got to be done as fast as possible you know as perfect as possible um but i think that can put a lot of stress and weight on yourself so being able to like step aside for a second you know enjoy the ride reward yourself um i think is really important and i think my biggest thing with the business is probably learning how to say no sometimes so i'll say yes to every catering inquiry every um, you know, special request or, you know, um, opportunity to do a pop-up or an event. Um, you know, I just wanted to continue to grow and build the brand and get myself out there. But, you know, sometimes it comes at a cost where you're spreading yourself too thin and then you're not managing yourself well, which then you're not managing the business well, then you're not managing your staff well. So um, having, having a little space to say no and, you know, work on that work-life balance, I think is, is crucial, especially in the entrepreneurial sense. It completely is crucial. I think it's, it's one of the hardest bits, especially when you're starting something new or starting a new business like that, not to just take every opportunity, take all of that. But I think it is important to, to be thoughtful about what opportunities there are there. But uh, yeah, especially in, when you're starting out, I mean, I feel like even as a college student as well, I feel like that comes up so much of like that first freshman year, those first months, it's like, you, you know, everyone's like, just jump in and do everything. But mm. I think it's important to, to really carry that balance and to carry at least a tinge of kind of thoughtfulness in how those in those decisions. Exactly. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you, you have to or should or it'll you know be well received. Like I think a couple Saturdays ago, we catered breakfast before a tailgate, before the game, catered lunch after the tailgate. This is like for like 115 people. Wow. Went, went back to the restaurant, had a very busy post-game dinner rush, and then did late night wings and pizza catering for a wedding at like 11 p.m. It was like, you don't have to do all that stuff in one day. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah. Yeah, so in those days, those days are, are a whole other gambit. I I've never done anything to that level, but I remember those days where it's like you're rushing from from bit to bit, doing all the different activities, and it's wild. Like exactly. Yeah. Well, Jordan, thank you so so much for coming on the show. It's been so great to talk. Uh, final question is just what do you have to plug? What do you want to send the people to? All the socials, all the locations, everything. Show some love to my pumpkin picture. I worked hard on this week that the Instagram algorithm isn't showing love to uh side biscuit underscore uh follow us every week we do a dif different wing different biscuits always a fun theme be sure to check us out wednesday through sunday we do lunch on fridays pizza only on sundays well pizza and wings but um check out our pizza for sure if you like spicy stuff or watching people eat spicy stuff we're doing a hot ones sunday the 29th 
Um, the event is from 5 to 8. Wing Eating Challenge is at 6.30. We're going to have a DJ, giveaways, really spicy sauces. Um, but yeah, just be on the lookout for that. Yeah, absolutely. And all that stuff, listener, will be linked in the description of this episode, too. So you can just find it right through there. But go check out all of the cool, cool stuff Side Biscuit is doing. If you're ever in Ann Arbor, go, please. Like, I fully encourage you to go to Side Biscuit and check it out. It's such a fun spot. Chicken wings and biscuits. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Now, thank you again for listening to another episode of the Student Council. My name is Carter Dvorak. That has been Jordan Belduff. Jordan, do you have any other parting words before we head out of here? enjoy college while you got it yeah i like that thank you if you want to find us our instagram is stucopod or email stucopod at gmail.com wish you need the best of luck and the best of times in all of your educational endeavors the student council is adjourned